wonderful song. You know, Calvary's cry is also, whosoever will may come. And it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter where we are really today. If uh, there's never been a time where you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, today can be that day. And um, there was a time in my life where I trusted Christ to save me. And I'm glad for that. And we read this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, just some familiar verses and um, some, of the, some of the great admonitions for us as believers is to be a light to the world. And, you know, we live in a day where really when it comes to it, you could, um, you could find out a whole host of things about different things all around the world, the information sharing that uh, is now available to us. A bit of a uh, hesitation, if I can say, to um, be as bold as the world is bold about our, our faith. And, you know, the life of the Christian, it, it, it's always to show forth the reality of Christ in his or her life. And the outworking of our lives, it can be tempered by what we believe and the practical working of that in our lives. And what we can term these is our values and uh, if you recall, last year during our Vision Sunday, we talked about just an emphasis this year on, on our values as a church. And for the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, we'll be talking a little bit about our values and what it is that, that we, as, as God's people, ought to be um, standing for and what values are is defined as principles or standards of behavior. And we live in a world that doesn't mind us, I think, being Christians as long as we keep it to ourselves. We live in a world that says whatever you feel you are on the inside, then that's the real you, and the exception that you Christians. You should keep that stuff to yourself. So when a Christian's values are lived out, there's a very real opposition to that at times. And yet our standards of behavior, it ought to be a light that shines. The Bible tells us that we are to be the light of the world. The Bible admonishes us here not to hide that light, that actually ought to be a light that's like a city on a hill that can be seen for those who are in darkness around us. And I want to tell you that what the world lacks today and what at times we most need today is for us as believers to shine as light. Uh, the, the world's not looking for some sort of uh, Christianity that is watered down. The world's looking for, and the answer to it is for a Christianity that will be bold, like light will be bold. And our standards order of behavior ought to be a light that shines. It's not meant to be hidden away unused. And we have to be that way as believers, but also that way as a church. And the world needs us to live out our values. And so for the next couple of weeks, I'll be focusing on that and you know, there's just some things that are, 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 meant to be, uh, are meant to be given to the world. And I, I read a story earlier this week about a world-famous violinist by the name of Fritz Kreisler, who uh, for a long time he was, was well-regarded all around the world, and because of that he earned a great fortune um, with his concerts and compositions. But he was a man he, who generously gave that away. And so when he was traveling one day, he discovered an exquisite violin. He noticed it, but he didn't have enough money to purchase it. So he just went and, and, you know, for a while forgot about it. And 
later on, having that in mind, he had the money in his pocket, and so he was going through that town again, and so he decided to go visit that place where he saw that violin, and unfortunately for him, it had been sold. It had been uh, sold to another benefactor, and so he got the name of that benefactor, and he went to that person's house, and the person welcomed him in, and this violin, it was just encased. It was just displayed there for all to see, and it took a, a place of pride in that that person's house, it was there to be admired and all of that. And, and, and Chrysler, he decided to make an offer for it, but he was denied because this man had grown fond of this and it had become, again, a, something that people often would come to visit him for. And so Chrysler, feeling a little bit defeated, just asked one more thing. He said, look, before I go, would you mind if I play the violin? And so he played the violin and he played it with such uh, sincerity and such skill and such spirit that once he had played it, the man said, look, take it. It's not for me to keep. He, he, was, he, was, he understood that it was meant to be something that was to bless others and something that could uh, be in the world that would help people just, uh, just understand the beauty of not only that instrument but the beauty of music that can be played from that. And that's how it is sometimes that we ought to have that attitude with our faith rather than keeping it to ourselves and rather than hoping and walking around thinking that somehow the, the world that is in such need of light will find it some other way. We ought to take our own responsibility to live out our faith, to live out in a way that will show the values that we have inherently been given through the Lord and and the series will focus on those five values that we, we spoke about during Vision Sunday last year. And this morning, I want to I speak on the first one. And, and this, these aren't in, uh, in no particular. But I, I felt that this is where we're meant to start. And we're going to talk about being a going church. Being a going church. And so with that, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you've got a Bible handy, that'll be wonderful. We'll be turning to different passages of Scripture this morning. If not, maybe one of our ushers could give you a copy of the Word of God, and we'd love for you to just have that, and you can take it with you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and, and what I'm speaking about this morning about being a going church is being a church that is, is careful to share the gospel. And the, the Bible gives us in five places an admonition to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's called what we would term the Great Commission. It's the mission that God has given us as, as His people and His church to go and tell others about Christ. It's, a, it's an admonition that we are to spread the gospel to different places all around the world. And the gospel here is defined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And notice verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand." By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain or in, uh, in emptiness. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that it was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. And he's saying here that the gospel 
really, in summary, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. That, that is the message of which we preach. And, and when we're speaking about being a going church, when we're speaking about being a, a, the, the people that Christ, we're speaking of wing, we are speaking about being a faithful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're speaking about being the type of people that won't just walk around and speak about every other thing under the sun. We're talking about the kind of people who will find great urgency and great importance and great imperative about the message of the gospel. And we might go around today, we might see the the different problems of society, and we might be concerned about that, and and probably we ought to be concerned. But I'll tell you, the only thing that will change man's heart the only thing that will change man's condition, the only thing that will change man's eternity is no other message than the message of the gospel. And I can tell you that because that's what happened with me. You know, you might look around and, and if you've been around our church long enough, you're going to see that there's a world map at the back. You're going to see that at times on a Wednesday night when we have our midweek service, we're going to read out uh, different points of, of, uh, from, from uh, people from overseas who report back about what's happening in their, their, their part of the world in regard to their ministry. You, you might listen and you might see even today those that in, in recent times have come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. You might even hear like you did on the announcements how we're going to take a little bit of time on purpose and with great intention to go out in our community and hand out gospel literature to people around. You might notice that we have a Christian bookstore where people can come with, if they're looking for some resources to help them understand what Christianity is all about, that it's right there. And you might see that there's a great emphasis of that within this local church. And I want to tell you why. It's because we have a great commission to go. It's because we have that imperative from the Scriptures with us and that although there's other things that we can address and although there's other things that we can look at to uh, perhaps help in society and we will do those things, but it's all surrounded by and centralized on this that we have a message to go tell the world. And I want to tell you that being a going church and being a going person is important. We've been commanded as individuals, to preach the gospel. And in this ownership of responsibility is what I want to remind you about this morning. You know, at times when you study through the Word of God, Paul referred to the gospel as our gospel. You know, in, in these two words, the Bible is challenging, challenging us to take ownership of the gospel message. It's not a call to change the message however we see fit. It's not this our gospel like our version of the gospel. No, no, he's given us an eternal message to share, and it's unchanging to this day. It's it's a call to see and take the gospel and to take it with us. It's a call to personal responsibility to share the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to turn to a few different places the Bible tells us in Romans 1.16 that we ought not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And yet what we see in different portions of Scripture is really, uh, really a warning and really a indica- indicative sometimes of how we would treat the gospel. And notice Paul's, Paul's uh, words here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And notice verse 1. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. 
but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he's referring to the fact that they've been called into this ministry of mercy, this ministry that, that they're not fainting in. And he says here what that ministry is in verse 3. And notice this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, that's a little g God, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And notice verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And there he really summarizes for us there the, 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 the heart of sharing the message, of understanding that this, our gospel, he refers to it, should not be hid. And, and I want to tell you that firstly, if it's going to be the, the fact that we are a going church, and we are a going people, and to an exalt, we as, as individuals take this seriously, as the Bible admonishes us to and exhorts us to, Firstly, I want to tell you that it's got to be presented boldly. Now, I didn't say arrogantly. I didn't say walking around like that's the only thing that you can talk about with people. No, but it's got to be presented boldly. There's got to be in us an, uh, an essence of the urgency of the need. And what we find throughout this, the course of our reading here is that, the, in essence, the gospel message shouldn't be hidden. It shouldn't be something that we hide. He says, if our gospel be hid, there's a, there's, a, there's a corresponding cost to that if we do. There's those that are lost who it's then hidden to. And consider there the need. In verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, the Bible tells us the whole point of the Lord Jesus coming here was to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, if I can remind you this morning, there was a point in your time, even if you're saved here this morning, even if there was a time where you put your faith and trust in the gospel message, there was a time where you were lost and in need of Jesus Christ. There was a time where you didn't understand that you were at the precipice of hell itself and that the wages of sin is death, that at the, at the, at the crossroads of eternity... If you were to die in that moment, you would be plunged into that justice that we as sinners all deserve. That's the need. Consider that. We see that in the, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. There are those who for, for years and years have pro probably grappled with things that they're just blinded to. They're just, they're just uh, are unknown to them, those things. But then consider then the subject. You see, this, the subject of our message, why we can present it boldly is this. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. You know, when you speak to someone about the gospel, when you're a person who's going, you don't, you don't just speak to them about the church. You don't speak to them about the, the different programs, perhaps, that's available 
in the church. All of those things are there. But really when we go around, and as even we, we announced this morning that just the times where we're going to go once a month, the message we share isn't about us. The message is not about us. The message is Christ. And He's the subject of our message. He, he is the one whom we present to others. And when we speak to those that perhaps are searching, we don't refer to different resources before we refer to the name of Jesus Christ. And we go to them and we present to them the case that, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, before we talk to them about perhaps the different things that they can gain from being part of a local church, we've got to tell them about their need for a Savior. That's what we've got to talk about. He is the subject of our boldness to proclaim. But then we need to consider the vessel. See, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what's in us? We're just, we're just earthen vessels. You know, none of us here, if you look around, and none of us here are perfect. I, I want to just, just, just in case you were thinking that, none of us are perfect. <laughs> you know, we, we might even impress you this morning, and that's, that's not really our, our goal. We want to make you feel welcome. But, but none of us are perfect. We're just earthen vessels. And you know what's important? The treasure. We just go around and we're just trying to live life as best as we can accordingly to what we believe is God's word. And we're just going around and what's important about this vessel is that we have the treasure within. And, and regardless of how this vessel is treated... He later on, he talks about different things he went through. They're troubled, perplexed, persecuted. You know why the Apostle Paul went through all of that? It was because he had a treasure. You know why there are those who uproot their families and uh, from a comfortable lifestyle here in Australia and they'll go to a different place around the world, a place that maybe they can't even speak the language, in a place those things that, that we take for granted each and every day, they have to hope for each and every day. They go around the world and they, they go to unfamiliar places, to unfamiliar people, and they uproot their family where they could have all of the, the luxuries that we all enjoy, all because they have a conviction of this great treasure within. That's the message of the gospel. And, and we have to be bold in presenting that because the fact is, the fact is, if our gospel, our gospel, be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Hey, let me, let me ask you to think about the person that spoke to you about the gospel message. Think about that one who, because they were bold enough to let out a bit of light, you got saved. Think, think about the person who, maybe they were awkward around you. Maybe it was just a, it was just a, a chance meeting. Maybe it was just someone that you know, you would have never thought would ever, ever speak to you about certain things, but they did. And because they were bold in that, you got saved and your eternity changed forever. And, and, and there's, there are many of those who, because of their boldness through the course of the centuries, it's caused then a, a ripple effect of you in this nation, you in this place, having every opportunity to hear about the gospel. 
And sometimes we just take that for granted a little bit. And yet when it's our turn, how bold are we? Do we hide our light? Is our gospel hid? You know, I think about the, the story there of, of the, the, in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. And, and, you know, the rich man, he ends up, he's without faith, he ends up in, in hell. And you know what he, he asks for? He, he looks at Lazarus and says, can you, send, can you send someone to tell my family? Can you send someone? And, you know, there are people today who they had an opportunity to perhaps believe and they didn't, who are calling out for some of us to just be a little bit more bold with the gospel because they've got families because they've got your they they know you are neighbors with their loved one and we won't even speak up for fear of being rejected we won't even speak up for fear of being ridiculed in a day that can we can easily be canceled and ridiculed and we go around and we have this treasure in earthen vessels and it's our gospel and so we ought to, it ought to be presented boldly, but, you know, it's, it ought to be preached with power. Look at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice verses 1 to 5, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus Unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We gave thanks to God. We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God for our gospel. Notice this came not unto you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Not only does it be, need to be presented boldly, it must be preached with power. And what we're saying there is that, you know, all of us here, we all have different abilities to, to speak. We all have different opportunities and circles of influence to influence and be a help to. But within that realm, understand that we have this great power within the message itself. You see, the Bible tells us in power they did it. And notice again, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. You know, the, the power of the gospel message. The, the Bible tells us in Romans 1.16, I quoted it earlier, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power does not lie within us. The power lies in the message itself. And I remember, you know, as a young person, I was saved at a very early age. I understood my need. I understood that I was a sinner. At seven years old, I understood I was a sinner. I understood I broke God's law. I understood that without Christ, I would be faced with the wages of that, the cost of that, and its eternity in separation to God in a place called hell. And I understood that if I needed to, if I needed to, I couldn't save myself. It wasn't the fact that I was going to church. It wasn't the fact that I had done enough good. 
I had to look to Christ to save me. And I remember calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and full to bring me to church and help me understand more about that. And I grew in that. And, and I had opportunities as a young person to be a witness. Uh, uh, when I was in high school, I was involved in a lot of student leadership stuff. But to be honest with you, I didn't use it for the glory of God. I just used it because it was an opportunity. And there were many times where I could have probably spoken to various people and God gave me several opportunities to do it. I never did it. But eventually at, at 16, you know, I made a stand. I said, Lord, uh, you know, I've been taught how to do this. I've been taught how to present the gospel. I'm going to do it. And, and that summer camp, we're heading over to, uh, to the south coast of New South Wales there for a youth camp. And I just determined I'm going to tell someone about Christ. And I remember just sitting there and I was just nervous. I was just so and, and if you knew me at that point, I was just, I was, you know, you would never know now, but I was really, really shy. <laughs> to, to be in front of people and to just talk like this, man, that gave me nightmares. And so I, I was there and it just even thinking about talking to someone. But I remember sitting with a particular young man who was invited. He was a, new to this whole thing and, and he was a friend of a friend. And I remember one afternoon sitting with him and, and through all of it, through all of my voice breaking, through all of my probably misquoting verses, through all of that nervous energy that, that sometimes I couldn't even know the exact words to say, through all of that, this young man called on Christ to be saved. <laughs> and you know, today he's still attending church. Today he met his wife through, 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 um, through common friends. And I look at his life now, and we're not as in touch as we used to be, but his life changed. But, you know, it wasn't because I was good with my words. I was the complete opposite of that. I just blubbered my way through it. I just blundered my way through it, more likely. But do you know what the power was? It wasn't in this 16-year-old boy. No, the power is in the message. And that message changed someone's life. And I, I think back, it was my, really my first opportunity. I had another opportunity eventually. I just became a bit bolder in my faith in, in, in sort of the back end of my high school life and began to talk to others and a, a, another young man that got saved through just all of that. I thank God for that, but the power is not within us. The power is in the gospel message itself. And in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. You know, the, the very thing that we do where we just hand out a gospel leaflet to someone where we talk to, perhaps they don't even talk to them. You know, and sometimes we think, well, will that go to anything? Hey, the, the words, the verses have power in themselves. Our, our simple thing is to obey. Our simple thing is to just be a mouthpiece. Our simple thing is to be the earthen vessel that's got the treasure within it. And our, our simple thing is this, that we got to do it with power. we got to go and, and with great power, believing in the message, believing in the God of the message. And the gospel is power and you will receive power. You see, he says in an earlier in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't become better at it Some uh, over the years, as I've been able to speak with more people and, and talk to different, uh, different, in, in different scenarios, I've gotten better at it, where I'm not the 16-year-old boy anymore who will have to bumble and, and mumble my way through it. 
But I'll tell you what, it's not the, the, the incremental improvement isn't what's caused greater effectiveness. The message was always effective. And you might be thinking to yourself this morning, well, Pastor, I'm not you. I don't practice it like that. I don't, you know, you're not up. I'm not up on the platform every single Sunday, sometimes several times. And you, you, I know you're, you know, that's your job. I mean, you're throughout the course of the week. You're, you're, you're probably in your word and, and there's other things that, and you might put all of those things. I'm shy. I, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I, I don't like that kind of thing. Listen, the power is not within you. The power is in the gospel message. And if you would just, let it out, it'll do its job. If you just would take it with boldness to present, then you go ahead and then you know what God's going to do? He'll bless that. But there's a power also of personal responsibility because he says there in verse 5, and in much assurance, you know, they understood that it was their responsibility. This wasn't someone else's responsibility. It was his responsibility. And I think about that. You know, all of us here, we have different circles of influence. There are those that you'll talk to this week that I would not in a million years have a chance to talk to. And I think about how I got saved. I got saved because I was born in a family that at some point, through the course of their lives, was brought to the Lord. And I had a grandmother who looked at her seven-year-old grandson who was going to Sunday school, who was going to other means where I could have heard. But you know what my grandmother did? With much assurance. You know, she didn't look for someone else to tell me. She told me herself. And because of that, and, you know, I think about my grandmother often and daily, perhaps, and I think about her witness. I think about how many times she was just out and about, and, and, and she would just talk to people, and we would just hear later on that they would testify that, you know, they believed because of my grandmother. And I think about that, and that's the power of personal responsibility. You know, if I could encourage you all, you know, it's great. You, you ought to bring uh, your loved ones. You ought to bring family and friends, at, as much as you're, you're, you're able to, to come to church, I'm, I'm glad for that. But can I, can I encourage you with this? It's not just my responsibility, it's your responsibility too. And you can go out throughout the course of the week, nothing's stopping you from telling others. And the power of personal responsibility. You know, I, I heard a story about a little girl who m made an insightful statement about her newfound faith. She told her mother, I think Jesus has moved out of my heart. And with curiosity and concern, her mom asked her, um, where, where has Christ gone? She replied, he's moved to my throat because all I want to do is tell people about Jesus. And I think about my little boy last year who he made a profession of faith. You know, the very first thing he told me, he goes, I want to tell my friends at school. And you know when something's real and something's exciting and something's true, you just can't help it. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's the reality of it. It's personal responsibility. We need to see it as our own message to give. You know, the, there's a power of a changed life. And the Bible tells us again in 2 Thessalonians 1.5, 
And in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. You understand, again, if you, you understand the broader context of the New Testament, much of the New Testament, especially those referring to churches, was written by a man named Paul. Now, Paul wasn't always Paul. Paul was at one point Saul. And Saul actually was, a, was someone who was an enemy of the church. He went around, and in that day, his job was this. He went to hail men and women. That, that meant they were, he, was, he was going around, and he was taking them to jail. He went around, and he was a great persecutor of those who were of the way. That's, a, that's what the Bible describes those who were Christians in that day. And he went around, and he persecuted them to the point where he saw some stoned and killed for their faith. That's who wrote that. And yet the power of a changed life, you know, at one point, God sought him and he saw and he believed. And his whole life changed from being the persecutor to becoming a proclaimer of the gospel. And now he's writing, you know, you, you know what manner of men we were among you. You've seen the changed life. And perhaps if I can say this morning, maybe the greatest thing that hinders us from being bold is because actually we're not living the changed life. We're just patterning ourselves like the fashion of this world. And there's no difference actually in practical means to how we're living, to how the world who was lost is living. And sometimes, again, we can go about and we can just sort of have every excuse under the sun not to be a going person, but maybe that in our heart of hearts, really, it's because we don't have the testimony to back it up. And the power of a changed life. I read a story about a great evangelist of yesteryear, D.L. Moody. He visited a place in the States called New Haven, and there was a student there named R.A. Torrey. And he was in the university there, and he said the ripest scholar in the university at the time, if not the ripest in America, was President Wolseley. He was the ex president of Yale University. One night, a young man went up to hear Mr. Moody preach, and President Wolseley sat on the platform, and when they sang the old gospel hymns, President Wolseley himself, a gray-haired scholar, joined in singing the hymns with all his heart. That young man said, well, if one of the greatest scholars in America can sing those hymns in that way, there certainly must be something in it, and he was converted not through Mr. Moody's preaching, but through President Wolseley's singing the power of a changed life. You know, we sing sometimes and it was the conviction. We go around and we sort of just sort of, and it, you know, we do our best and we're not going around and we just, we don't want to be weird. I want to tell you that we just, we can live in a way that is light. But then lastly, not only does it need to be presented with boldness and preached with power, but then lastly, look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice verses 13 to 15. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And what he was saying was, you know, you've obtained our, the the, the reality of our gospel. He says, stand by them. And what the point of that is, he's saying that it, it's got to be passed on. 
It's actually not something that we just keep. It's meant to be passed on. And the gospel was passed on in the church. And, you know, why we, we preach boldly at times the gospel message is not just so, so it's to be preached. It's so that others can learn how to preach it. It's that why where I'm encouraging those who are active in that to, to just bring someone along. You know, it's always been for many, many years in our youth group there as I was a youth minister for a long time. Anytime I was sitting with someone to present the gospel, I always brought another young person with me. And there's good things with that, accountability and all of that. But listen, the practical outworking was that they were watching me in how I was talking to this person about the gospel. And we're trying to encourage that. And I tried to do that even as a pastor. I've never really sat with someone one-on-one. I've always had another person there to watch me. Oftentimes that's been my wife. Other times it's been other staff members. But the point is, I want to teach while I do. And that's what we ought to do. We, we ought to look around. And, and, you know, if you're someone who's actually had some experience in that, don't just keep it to yourself. Share it around. That's why we share testimonies. That's why we go around and we talk a little bit about how-tos in that. And, and sometimes we can get carried away in all of that, but actually it's part of it. We're meant to pass it on. And if you've been saved for a while, who have you shared the gospel with and who have you taught to witness? See, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so there's meant to be this progression of I do, I teach, now you do. And so we go around and it's got to be passed on. And, you know, there's a generation that's, I think sometimes we're obsessed with looking at different ways to do things. And I'm all for that. I think we ought to cover every base if we're going to try to win our community, our nation to the Lord. If we want to be like the church in Thessalonica there, who's from them sounded out the faith. We're going to be that kind of church, a going church. We've got to be active in training others how to do so. And so, again, if you're not comfortable, you're not familiar, a great place to start is to come along to those once-a-month things. A great place to start is perhaps to get some, some resources and maybe just get into it and, and maybe speak to, to myself and others who you know that's their life and their manner of living. And we ought to be a going church. You know, it just takes a little light. We all know that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's all it takes. And, and maybe your neighbor sees a little bit and hears a little bit. And maybe the, the person that's been coming along and searching sees a difference and you get to speak boldly. And you get to speak with great power because the powers of the message. And you might change a person's life. And you just made the main thing the main thing. And, you know, we go around and, like I said, every one of us here, we have all different people around us. What do they know of you? You know, if we're going to live out our values, it's got to be demonstrated. And so let's go about this week and maybe you walk past and there's some gospel literature there and you say, 
I'm just going to hand out one this week. You know, one is better than none. Uh, you might just say, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn this year. I'm gonna, I just need to know. And, and I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were having some training with our teachers and here at the school, and one of them, I, I referred to something she'd never heard of called the Romans Road. And what it is, it's just a couple of verses in Romans that explains the gospel. And, you know, she didn't know. So she approached me afterwards and said, Pastor, you talked about that. What is that? And from all accounts, this lady's a, a saved person, but she's just, she said, it's been on my heart, my husband and I. We want to just be better witnesses this year. And so she was talking to me about that, and, um, and funnily enough, I went into, I said, look, I'll find something for you. And I went into the office there, and I was telling Andrew, and he goes, you know what, actually, Alvin designed some, uh, a little, little, uh, little brochure, little, actually a handout, and it's got the Romans Road on it, it's got a QR code to just show people how to use it, and, and I just, just the, all of that, and I'm just saying, that's just a simple thing, you know, I hope and pray that person, that teacher, that her and her husband this year, just take that with all earnestness, and it's a real, real simple thing to learn, but there's a bit more light in the world, and that's what we want. Because we live in a time that's it's just darkening by the day. And I pray that we would be the light that is set on a hill. I pray that we would not, our gospel will not be hid, but we'd be a going church. Let's go into our neighborhoods. Let's go into our workplaces. Let's go in our commutes. Let's go to our schools. Let's go to our universities. Let's go to our sporting clubs. And let's just be the light that we should be and that we can be. This little light of mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. For your goodness and grace. Father, thank you that my... Thank you that my grandma, all those years ago, told me about a Savior who loved me. And that, Lord, it was simple enough that a seven-year-old me understood it. And it changed my life completely. And I'm thankful that it's still the same message today. That if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we would accept the fact that he, was, he died and was buried and he rose again, and trust his work for our salvation, then we can be saved. I'm thankful, Father, that, Lord, that's still the message that changes people's lives. Pray you help us this morning, Lord, to, to perhaps get back to being the witness that we need to be. Perhaps being the, the kind of person that would take personal responsibility. And, and perhaps, Lord, just getting back to that living the way we ought to live. And, Lord, I pray that those values that really in every Christian is deep, will just flow out and then, Lord, change the, the places that we go. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. We're